Welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com. I'm your host, Todd Curtis. On November 17, 2015, the Russian government announced that they suspected that a bomb brought down the Metrojet A321 over Egypt on October 31, 2015. The same day that Russia announced their suspected findings, they also offered a $50 million reward for those who were responsible for bringing the jet down. Later that day, I had a conversation with Tatyana Savriko of Life News of Russia, where we discussed the ramifications of these findings. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, so, uh, I would like to ask uh, you uh, some questions connected with uh, today's theme. I suppose that it's one of the leading and key themes of this day. Uh, so, um, it was finally determined and um, said that uh, this was a terrorist, terroristic action. Correct. Yes, and what was your first reaction towards this news? My first uh thought was that this was consistent with the information that came out earlier in the investigation. That is, the information on the first day of this event was consistent with an in-flight explosion. That is, something very catastrophic that happened very suddenly, and more importantly, led to the aircraft, the wreckage being spread over a very wide area. That sort of wreckage pattern was consistent with an in-flight explosion. And although there are many reasons that there can be an in-flight explosion, most of them didn't make sense in this case. For example, a mid-air collision didn't make sense because there were no reports of other aircraft in the area. Uh, this would include a collision with birds or other wildlife because at that, at that altitude, it's very, very uncommon to have a large bird strike an aircraft. Now, there are other kinds of explosions, for example, fuel tank explosions, which have been of great interest to the aviation industry for many years. And many steps have been taken over the years to prevent fuel tank explosions. So that sort of mechanical or technological failure, much, much less likely than it was 20 or 30 years ago. So in my opinion, one of the more likely possibilities was a bomb being placed on board the aircraft. Now, one of the reasons why I didn't think a missile was shot at the aircraft was because several days after the event, the U.S. government, as well as the U.K. government, released information that implied that there was no evidence of any sort of missile coming up toward the aircraft. And also, the rebels in that area had no reported use of high-technology missiles that could reach to 10,000 meters above the Earth. So, in my opinion, even before the announcement today, I thought that a bomb was a very definite possibility. And uh, speaking about uh, lots of articles that we saw during this time uh, till this uh, day, so uh, there were lots of, uh, for example, in CNN, were fake bulbs detectors used by hotel security in Sharm el-Sheikh. So, were real? These uh, were fake bomb detectors, and why the system was uh, and is unsafe? Well, again, uh, it's still ongoing the investigation. And although the Russian authorities have stated that there was a bomb placed on board the aircraft, it isn't clear at this point exactly where the bomb was placed. I haven't heard the FSB provide information to that effect. And even if it were placed, let's say, in the cargo area where the baggage is, it will be unclear whether or not this was something that was placed in a passenger's bag or placed by an airport employee. I also understand the Egyptian authorities have two people in custody who were some kind of airport ground staff. But again, does it, that doesn't prove that they placed the bomb there. But certainly, 
the two ways that you can get a bomb on the aircraft is if a passenger put it on the aircraft or if a crew member or a technical member, for example, a ground crew person, put it on the aircraft. And from what the authorities were saying earlier, both the Egyptian and the Russian authorities, none of the passengers and none of the crew had any indication of being part of any sort of terrorist organization or having anything in their background that would imply that they deliberately took down the aircraft, which in my opinion made it more likely that if it were a bomb, it were placed on board by somebody who was outside the aircraft. Uh, and uh, just speaking about the bomb, uh, such a kind of situation like bomb on the airport, on the on the airplane. Uh, so uh, maybe is it better just to uh, make uh, the system like uh, the sensors uh, to determine uh, determine the explosive thing? Will it will it just work or not? Well, it depends on where those sens sensors are placed. Currently, in many airports around the world, there are bomb detection uh, devices and bomb detection techniques are used primarily on passengers and their luggage. There is much less attention being paid to all the various services and all the various people who are outside of the aircraft. For example, in the typical airport, large airport, you may have hundreds, even thousands of people who are doing all kinds of jobs on the airport, who have access to all areas of the airport. Sometimes they are thoroughly searched like passengers. More often than not, they're very rarely searched. And if you had someone who was an insider like that, it would be relatively easy for them to sneak something onto the airport. Also, another thing to consider, an airport is designed to let airplanes fly in. It's possible that you can have someone in an airplane fly into the airport, land at the airport, and they're immediately in the secure part of the airport. So if they have a, uh, a collaborator on the ground, let's say, they could possibly give them something from the airplane, and it's already in a sensitive area of the airport. So there are several ways that you can have a security breach, and the techniques that, are exist, that exist right now to find bombs are effective at finding the bombs, but they're not employed in every place where you can have a bomb. And uh, just uh, some um, couple of minutes ago, uh, there was uh, the next news, just the latest news that uh, President of uh, Russia, uh, Putin, he gave the order to work with uh, uh, French government, uh, with French as allies. Uh, so just to strike against ISIS, because there is no doubt that uh, these two tragedies in Paris and uh, the crash of the plane over Sedine was uh, uh, the situation with uh, 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 me, uh, the situation of the wreckage was uh, uh, just uh, the common problem. So uh, we can say that it were terroristic actions. And uh, can we say that uh, the uh, air operations and air ground operations can unite uh, people towards uh, just to fight ISIS? Well, let me first say that uh, given the evidence that's out there right now, it's very clear that both what happened in Paris this past week and what happened with the Metrojet aircraft last month were very, very likely pre-planned deliberate activities. And the suspicion is that ISIS was behind both of them. Whether or not they are, in my opinion, I think more evidence has to be gathered to directly tie those two together. But that said, clearly there is a pattern of deliberate actions being taken against innocent civilians. And I think it's wise that the various countries who have been affected France and Russia being two of those countries, work together to, to 
eliminate or to neutralize the suspected sources of this. Now, whether or not these actions, collaborative actions in Syria and elsewhere, will unite the various peoples of various countries behind a common enemy, that depends. It depends on whether or not there's other evidence that shows that there is a deliberate uh, planning going on and that a particular group or several particular groups were behind that plan. And right now, I know something has happened in both France and Russia. It's not clear to me that it's from the same source. And I would like to ask you the, the final question. So it's connected with the uh, Egyptian airports and the airport of Sharm el-Sheikh. So uh, as you know, this airport is one of the Egypt's third busiest uh, airports. Uh, so and there is uh, some kind of uh, maybe weak sides uh, in the system of control. Uh, so uh, will it be uh, some, uh, for example, searchings and uh, just to determine what are the weak sides and what what are not, just to prevent uh, some kind of terroristic actions in future. So okay. what will be the next step? What will be yes? Excuse me. What will be better for the Egyptian government to do in this way, just to prevent this catastrophe? Well, I'd like to broaden this beyond the Egyptian government, because what happened, what is alleged to have happened at Sharm el-Sheikh, is something that is possible at airports around the world. Now, there are some airports, for example, uh, JFK in New York and Heathrow in London, which have, for years, had a very, very high security posture because they have been threatened and attacked in the past. I think that sort of attitude, that sort of security profile, should be looked at for not just Sharm el-Sheikh, but airports around the world, because uh, airplanes fly in thousands of airports around the world. Any one of those airports could have weaknesses that could allow ground staff or other people to put bombs or other uh, prohibited items on aircraft. So I believe that there should be a more broad review of security, so broad that it probably takes an international organization like the uh, ICAO organization from the UN to have all the member states of the UN sit down and come to some sort of agreement as to what sort of changes should be Im implemented worldwide. Okay, okay, I understand you. Todd, thank you so much for your interview. Uh, just uh, thank you for your uh, opinion, for your expert point of view. It's so, so great to talk to you. Well, I'm, um, I'm glad we had the yeah. opportunity. More information on this event, please visit metrojet.airsafe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.